How many, uh, or who's, who's here today? Who, who's here? Who's here? See, there's bodies here, but not everybody's raising their hands. So you're saying, I'm not here, man. It's, I was thinking about that. Um, uh, so I, this morning I put my watch on, and I didn't look at it till I got here. And it's not working. And so why do I have a watch on? It's not working. That's what I'm asking myself. You know, what's the point? And uh, I'm reminded that so often we kind of go through life, don't we? We just kind of go through the routine of like putting your watch on without looking at it. Uh, We go through life spiritually. We just kind of go through motions and, you know, we think everything's cool. But uh, we need to stop and look. We need to stop and evaluate what's going on in me. It's, uh, it's like stick a thermometer inside our soul this morning and uh, be transparent with ourselves. Uh, instead of just putting watches on and showing up and leaving the same way. That's not healthy. You, uh, you tend to waste your time. And so you're here, you're here, and I'm asking you, uh, learn from the watch uh, don't just show up, but look into your core this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to engage you and you, in turn, engage in, uh, in what's being taught. That's, that's our desire. So, uh, once again, thanks for, for coming out this morning, and we hope you feel right at home and welcome. In August uh, 1977, John Efferingham, he was an Australian journalist. Um, he was working in Laos. Laos was kind of a, a messy country at that time. A lot of bad things were going on. Communism was taking a real strong grip. And uh, John was engaged to marry Keo Surisami, um, a Laotian woman. But uh, the government forced John to leave. They basically kicked him out of their country. Because John loved Kao so much, he began to devise a rescue mission for his fiancée and how he would go about it. So um, uh, for the next 10 months, he did a lot of research and put a plan together that he thought would be successful in getting his fiance, his future wife, out of that country into a country where freedom reigned. And so uh, the following May, he set out on his uh, rescue mission. He was outfitted with face masks, uh, fins, scuba diving tanks, uh, equipped with two breathing devices, and he plunged into the rain-swollen Mekong River, which separates Laos from Thailand. And uh, and so let's, uh, if you want to fly, get on the plane, uh, use your imagination. Uh, that's kind of, let's not forget our nifty little gizmo here. But we have to turn it on. And the batteries work. Cool. So here's the uh, Mekong River, boom, right, separating. Um, here's Thailand. And Laos is over here, so right in this area, that's where, that's where uh, John was hanging out. 
And the Mekong River in that area is a mile wide. So it's, it's not like that little creek going through black earth. Right, Marshall? Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. That's that nifty little creek. Anyway, um, John went into the murky waters. He had zero visibility. You can see um, this is from a distance, but let's get a little closer. Look how, is that murky or not? Yes or no? Yeah, it's murky. Um, uh, murky water, you, it's tough. It's tough to see. And so uh, without uh, having any visibility, John had to use the compass on his face mask to, uh, to an attempt to get across the river. And he battled swirling currents. He, um, he crawled on the bottom of the muddy water. And uh, in the process, he was being whipped up by whirlpools in that water as well. And when he finally surfaced, he discovered that he had underestimated the current in that river. Not only was he still several hundred feet offshore, but uh, the current had carried him past the spot where Kao had been waiting for him. And she was, by the way, disguised as a fisherman, you know, hoping not to be uh, uh, picked up uh, by the police or the army that was looking for those that were making that great escape. You can imagine that John was exhausted. He was. So guess what? He had to swim back across to the Thai side, another mile. And this time he entered the river upstream to, to take into account for those, those currents that had pushed him down. And another grueling swim, he crawled out on the bank, but Kea wasn't standing where she was supposed to be. Uh, because John was a little bit late, she started wandering off, and, and so John yelled her name at the top of his lungs, and she heard him and ran back down to where John had landed. And that's when the real work be began, because Kea never swam before. She had no experience swimming especially in that kind of environment. And so John put a life vest around her neck, put one breathing regulator in her mouth, and uh, together they went under that water, and hopefully they were going to reach the Thailand side. What do you think? Did they? Well, after that desperate struggle that seemed like a lifetime, they finally made it, falling exhausted on the bank, and safe in Thailand. John's plan worked. And in 1979, John and Kayo were married as husband and wife. Now, that's kind of a warm, fuzzy story, isn't it? And I think we all like warm and fuzzy stories, don't we? Yeah, man. It's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. John loved his fiancée enough to put his life on the line to rescue his fiancée from a communist country to bring her to a country where freedom was lived out. And I think about how Jesus loved you and me enough. You know, we would say, if we took a vote this morning, we would ask, you know, did John love Kale? And I think all of us would raise our hand and say, yeah, man, I, I believe it. I believe John absolutely loved his fiance. To do what he did 
Absolutely. He demonstrated that love. Well, in the same way, God loved you and I so much that he came up with a rescue mission where he put his son on the line, so to speak, and sent him to this planet as a baby who eventually was nailed to a cross to pay for my sin debt and your sin debt. And that love was demonstrated enough to where God said, man, whoever puts their faith, their belief in what Jesus did for them, uh, they will spend eternity with me in heaven. Pretty cool. It's a great gift that's free. We can't do anything to earn it. And so this morning... Uh, I want to continue in this, uh, this prayer that Paul has been praying. For, this will be the third week Paul's been praying this prayer. <laughs> and he's in prison, and he's chained to a Roman guard. Why are we spending so much time on this? Because this is as far as we get every week, man. That, that's one reason. And, and I have to tell you that... Um, I was thinking this past week, uh, not long ago, I had a conversation with our oldest son, Bo, and, uh, and since they had a daughter, that's messed him up, you know, he's going soft, that's what kind of baby daughters do to fathers. And so we had this conversation, and I said, Bo, I, I've been thinking about this, I, I've, I have some regrets with the relationship I had with my father. And, uh, and so I went on to tell him the regrets that I had. When my dad became elderly and he was fragile health-wise, uh, he became very, very quiet. And, and looking back uh, at that, I believe one reason was, you know, he had health issues. The second thing, I think, why he was kind of pulling within himself was that he was reflecting on his life because how many of us know, man, life passes quickly, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, it does. It does. It just, it, it, it almost seems like a, a wagon of wild horses pulling you instead of where you've got the reins and you're just kind of slowing them down, you know? Um. And so I told Bo, I said, the regret that I have was that I wasn't more intentional about asking my dad specific questions. Specific questions about his life and, and how he lived it because he modeled, I'll tell you this, he modeled uh, Christianity, having faith in Christ in a very positive way. And... Um, and so what I'd like to do to take the next step, we've been on this step a couple of weeks, number one in your notes, uh, think right, that we have to think right. And, um, and so let's, let's pick it up, let's pick it up in Ephesians 3. I want to I wanna read this text because it, it is powerful. And I think it's so relevant for the days that you and I are living so, uh, on the back of your program, by the way, there's an outline, and, and these verses are there. I'm, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. 
Verse 14, so when Paul says, when I think of all this, and, and you have to read you have to read the beginning of chapter 3 to get the context here, and you could do that. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a great prayer. And so we're thinking right. And, and uh, uh, I'd like to look at a side verse here, 1 John 3, 1, as a reminder, because I understand that we've been talking about the love of God, and I understand that there will be many in this room that are pushing back on that truth that God loves you. I think it's natural for human beings to push back because we always think we have to earn it and prove it and deserve it. We go through this litany of, of things we think we have to you know, prove to God that we're worthy. And in 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. I like that. He calls us his children. See how very much our Father loves us. What do you think of that? How do you respond? What's your, what's your gut? Your gut response. So I go back. I go back to my dad because this thinking right. I was, I was thinking about my dad and my mom. And uh, many of you have have heard this front end of the story before, but. When my mom was 19, my, uh, she became pregnant with, by my father. They weren't married. And so they did get married. And the environment that I grew up in was this. I've been, I've been thinking about this. Um, my mom, even though my mom and dad went to church, you know, their whole lives, my mom moved over to this side where she couldn't accept the love of God. She couldn't receive the love of God. She couldn't, and there's compounding factors that, that bleed into other areas of, of the life, of her life. So I, I grew up in that kind of environment, you know. Um, there was kind of like a weight on my mom. I, could, I, I just sensed that. But on this side, 
my father, and, and I'm looking at his life as from the youngest that I can remember to, to the oldest, where I would see my father just explode with experiencing the love of the father. It, it impacted him. And it, 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 it changed him. And so we have this situation right here where, where as a couple, they could, they could go to the Father and ask Jesus for forgiveness and, and be restored and reconciled, where my father did that. And he lived his life then, from there out, the love of the Father being poured into him. And I, I can tell you, as a son watching it, it happened. It was the real deal. On this side, my mom lived with this. I'm not good enough. Ah, I don't deserve the love of the Father. You see? And, and so it impacted their marriage. Uh, a host of other things. So before my mom died... Uh, we had a conversation, and I'll tell you why. Because, because my dad and my mom, and, and I was here, and I, as, a, as, a, as a child and as a young adult, I was leaning into what that same kind of attitude that she had. I gravitated over here. And, it, and I can tell you, I can tell you, that my philosophy on life was God was a liar and Satan was the truth teller because that's how I lived it. I believed the lies about me instead of believing the truth about me. By doing that, I'm pointing my finger at God and saying, you're a liar, and I'm pointing my finger at Satan saying, you are telling me the truth. Keep it on. You see? And I literally became paralyzed as a young man spiritually. And it got to the point where I had I recognized I had to make a decision because my life wasn't it, it was collapsing around me. And so through a, a events and circumstances God coming after me, I eventually uh, repented and asked God for forgiveness for my thinking, wrong thinking. It wasn't biblical. It wasn't honoring to the Lord. And I recognized that I had to change the way I thought. And so in a very simple way, um, on, the, on the back wall in the foyer, uh, we have these bookmarks called Who I Am in Christ by Neil Anderson. Uh, I am accepted. I am secure. I am significant. This and my identity in Christ. This was one of the tools that God used to help me come out. So through that process, I was able to help my mom, you know. We had, we had lengthy discussions about her life. And, and because she couldn't accept God's love, she couldn't accept uh, God's forgiveness, and she couldn't display God's forgiveness. And so I'll tell you what, the last... The last year of her life, she changed from over here and came over here 
to where she received the God, God's love and his forgiveness. And that last year I saw she and my father have a healthy marriage, which is what God wanted all along. You see it? So because I lived in that environment, I've walked through this. Um, that's why it's important. And I can tell you, and you heard me say it last week, the older I get, the more tangible, more because God's love is so big. And with our finite limitations, we can't fully comprehend all of it at the same time. And so he keeps pouring his love into me. And, I, and I'm overwhelmed by that because it's incredible. And I feel so undeserving. But I know I don't, we, no, nobody deserves it, but it's the grace of God where he wants to just dump it on you. Right? So thinking right, that's, that's the key. And I'm, I had a conversation with somebody 10 days ago, and they said they had a conversation with someone who told them that they don't believe God loves them. And they're a follower of Christ. And there's people here right now that feel the same way. And why is that? It shouldn't be. And so, um, right off the top, right off the top, there's these, these voices in the back of our heads that, that kind of attack um, that truth that, that God loves you, that God accepts you, that God has a plan for your life. Um, the, the self-rejecting voices, man, they just keep pounding and pounding. And, and um, uh, Henry Nowen, who um, was a um, theologian, came up with this. He said, uh, uh, we need to do some training in our thinking, replacing those um, self-rejecting voices with what God has to say. And, and he says, the world says, yes, I love you if you are good-looking, intelligent, and wealthy. I love you if you have a good education, a good job, and good connections. I love you if you produce much, sell much, and buy much. There are endless ifs hidden in the world's love. These ifs enslave, since it is impossible to respond to all of them. The world's love is and always will be conditional. And as long as I keep looking for my true self in the world of conditional love, I will remain hooked to the world, trying, failing, and trying again. It is a world that fosters addictions because what it offers cannot satisfy the deepest craving of my heart. There is nothing we can do to cause God to love us. And there is nothing we can do to prevent him from loving us. God loves us simply because he is God, not because we have done anything to cause it. And there should be jumping jacks going on inside my heart right now. Woo! Aren't you glad for that? Huh? Yay or nay? Yeah, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. 
Uh, and I think about Adam and Eve. God put them in the garden. Hey, did they have an opportunity to prove anything to God? Perfect environment? Hmm? Did, did they have God showed up every day to have a walk and talk with them? Why? Because he loved them and he loved hanging out with them. Right? So we love because he, God, first loved us. And so here we are. Here we are today. So, Paul takes this text when he says, when I think of all this. And I want to challenge you on your thinking, because that's where it all begins. Um, put it through the filter of God's word. Which leads us to number two, pray and be empowered. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. What's Paul praying for here? He realizes that there is spiritual warfare that's going on in every believer's heart. There is a, there's a um, uh, tug of war. There is a tug of war going on. And it shouldn't, have, it shouldn't be this way, but there is. And he recognizes that Paul can't do anything. He, he, can't, he can't teach, he can't, uh, he can't do anything, but all he can do is pray that through the power of God's Spirit, that great power where it says, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. For what? For what? So that you will have an experience with God where he pours his love into you and you receive it. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle when you put your faith in Christ and God's pouring his love in, but so many people are just shutting the door to it because they don't feel worthy or good enough or whatever it is. And God's saying, I'm praying for God through his spirit to give you the strength so that you swing that door wide in your life and you in turn experience that great love. What do you think? What do you think? Hey, uh, Max, let's pull up Psalm 107. Um, I, I, uh, I had read this a while ago and and uh, it's good. It's good. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Why is he good? His faithful love endures forever. Verse 2, has the Lord redeemed you? Question mark, has he? Has the Lord redeemed you? Okay, so the psalmist says, then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you. In other words, don't go undercover, you know? Don't put it under a bushel, right? Tell others he has redeemed you. Verse 8, 
Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Verse 43, those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Let me ask, are you wise this morning? Because if you're wise, it says that you will take this to heart and you will see the history of the faithful love of the Lord. Isn't that great? Huh? Isn't that great? Dude, man, well, let's get some more young dudes in here today. No, the old geezers were all stuck, rusty, moldy. I know we're kind of wandering here a little bit, but there's a theme. In John 14, 23, Jesus says, All who love me will do what I say. I've read that before. Jesus says, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come, and we will make our home with each of them. That's the goal the Father has. He wants to make his home in your heart. You see? And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. I can tell you, friends, I've been in the ministry for a long time, and I have seen the devastation of people who say they're followers of Christ and they don't follow and they don't obey, and they say they love. Something's not right. That shouldn't be. If you're a follower of Christ and you love Christ, why? Because of the love that he demonstrated in your life and you've experienced it. See, when you experience that, that's the motivation to obey. And then God, it says here, Jesus says, the Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Do you know the number one, the, the number one moving company in the United States, the busiest state that there are? they're involved in is our next door neighbor, Illinois. People are leaving Illinois at a record pace. You want to know something? I want God's moving company to move in front of me and move his furniture inside me. I want to see some activity going on where he makes himself at home within me. Don't you? And so that leads us to number three, Christ at home in me, verse 17. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And um, to settle down and feel at home, that's, that's his goal. So Paul is dealing with the, the inner person here. Well, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and, and keep you strong. Uh, before we get into to, uh, last week, I had this tree. And it's been out of the ground for a week. Can you tell? This tree came out of the ground yesterday. Which tree would you like? This tree, look at the roots on that thing, huh? 
and what happened here? This tree got ripped off, man. But here's the deal. Um, when you take yourself out of God's love, you're going to die. This, this thing is dead, man. It's, it's, it's too late, I think, for recovery. This, this still has hope, you know. As, as followers of Christ, we just keep pulling up our roots, you know. I don't see God working in my life. I'm just going to check this out over here, you know. We pull ourselves up and we plug ourselves in somewhere else. And so we expose ourselves to, um, we, we complicate our life because of it, and we never become healthy. Something else I was thinking about. Um, look at the roots on this guy. This is a weed. You like weeds? You know, weeds grow wherever they want. And that's what I'm talking about, that, that pull, the tug of war that's going on. There's a tug of war going on for access in your life. Weeds want to grow in your life. They want to consume you. They want to monopolize your time. They want to distract you from allowing your spiritual roots to go down deep into God's love. I'm telling you, that's going on big time. And it is interesting that weeds grow automatically. Do you, how many of you have to go to Walmart and buy weed seeds? Huh? Anybody do that? Hey, man, I want a nice variety of weeds in my backyard. Well, that's cool. Now, I go to Walmart and I buy Scott's weed and feed. I want to take them out. See, I have to be intentional about that. So my mom had to pull this out of her life. I had to pull this out of my life so that my roots, what, what, what Paul's writing about here, Christ then will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will go down into God's love and, and keep you strong. And so here's the thing. As a pastor, you know, you, you want to encourage God's people to get involved, right? Because being involved, man, it just, it, it's kind of like the lifeblood of health in your spiritual core. Because if you're always taken in, you become the Dead Sea. And if you're giving out, you become the Jordan River where life is coming in and it's going out. And it's coming in and it's going out. That's what serving is all about. So, so. You know, instead of saying, hey, why don't you serve more? Why don't you give more? Why don't you love the people in your neighborhood? Why don't you love your spouse more? You see, those are all externals. It's, you're, not, you're not dealing with the root issue here. That's why Paul is saying, going back to the inner man, the inner person, he's going right to the root of the issue. He's saying, Paul is saying, that I'm praying that what happened? I'm praying from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you within his strength through his spirit. Why? Because he's going to the root. He's putting the light on. 
You don't serve, you don't love, you don't, you don't give because you don't have an understanding of what love is all about. Because if you truly had a full understanding of what love was all about, man, you'd want to serve, you'd want to give, you'd want to love. So let's give it up for Paul, man. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like dealing with root issues. We just want to cover it up and go on. And so... Um, Paul is saying those spiritual roots need to go down into God's love. And, and, and that's that. I was thinking about this. When Christ makes his home in your hearts, that means he has access to every part of your life. And we have a cat. You guys aren't impressed, I can tell. <laughs> Not a lot of movement there. We have a cat. He's almost like a dog, but he's, he's still a cat. Uh, but this is a brush. Uh, Furgo Pet, that's the name of this. And what Furgo Pet, in other words, the fur goes out the door with this brush. Uh, so, so the cat uh, is getting to be older. He's 16. And in cat years, that means he's 299. <laughs> and he's not taking care of himself very well. And so his fur, man, it was getting matted. It was, it was, he was looking nasty, you know. Is that the same cat? That's been in our house for 15 years, you know. And so my wife has taken it upon herself to get this brush, and she went after that cat. <laughs> and guess what? The cat didn't like it, man. When that, when that brush hit the fur, <laughs> you know, uh, he kind of blew up at her and took off. And so there was a tug of war. But I've seen something happen in our cat's life. And if he were here, he'd tell you the same thing. <laughs> He'll sit in that chair and my wife will brush him and he just sits there. Because it feels good. Why? Because the mats are gone. He didn't want to stick around at first. Resisting, pushing back, rebelling against the brush. That's what God wants to do when he moves in. He gets the brush out. Ooh, we don't feel comfortable with the brush because it's hitting the mats. We want to leave. We want to jump board. We want to pull up our roots and go somewhere else. But he, he puts his hand of love upon us and says, stay with me, stay with me. Because something good's going to come out of this. This morning, I want to encourage you to let God get the brush out. But first, first, He's got to make His home within your heart for that to happen. You have the freedom to choose to reject that brush from God making his home in your heart 
and you have the freedom to invite them in and move in all the furniture. And so I want to ask you this morning, what will it be? Huh? What's it going to be? And in verse 18, Paul says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Do you understand? Huh? Do you understand? Because it will change you. It will change you. I can, I can vouch for the fact there is nothing like the hand of the Father on your shoulder and he gets the brush out. And he starts getting those mats out of your life. It's liberating. Those things that held you back for so long, they're going and they're gone because the love of the Father is brushing through your life. And Lord, I pray this morning it's so true. It's Why, why is that, Lord? Why is it so hard for us to embrace your love, to allow you to love us? Why is it so hard to allow our roots to go down deep into your love that are going to keep us strong? We want to be strong. And today, let there be this surrender where we lift our hands before you and say, Lord, today I'm giving up. I'm giving up from running from you. I'm giving up pushing you away. I'm giving up rebelling against your love. I'm, I'm giving up being performance-driven. I'm giving up. And I'm going to allow you to love me the way you want to. Because I want my roots to go down into your love and I want you to make your home in my heart, Lord. I want that. I want you to brush all the matted fur out of my life, Lord. The years of resistance, the, the calluses and the bitterness and the unforgiveness, Lord. Will you do it? Will you do it, Lord? And so have your way. Yes, Lord, have your way. We give you permission to have your way. there be miracles happening all throughout this building, Lord, where people are saying yes to you, saying yes to your love, saying yes to the brush. (laughs) 
Why? Because we're being conformed more into your image, more into your character, Lord. We reflect you so much easier when we allow you to love us. Help us to go with that today. simply this is what I did I was near some water and the sun was going down my life was very empty and I stood in the water and I looked into the horizon and I said Lord tired I'm tired of pushing you away I'm tired of making excuses I'm tired of thinking wrong will you forgive me Lord will you forgive me and I will take the initiative to begin to change the way I think. And so I got some Bible verses and I put them on cards and every time my mind started to go south, I would pull out those cards and say, this is what God's word says about me. There has to be that renewing of your mind to get onto a rhythm. staying with it. Let that happen today. Stand in your body of water and look into the eyes of the Father and say, forgive.